0: So I remember I was just, I just broke up with my, you know, we had a company, me and my ex-boyfriend at the time, we just recently broke up and I had taken over the company and I was moving to my apartment, I had, and I was in the car and then I was listening to the, in the radio and the prime minister, this was October 6th, I think, 2008 and the prime minister said, God bless Iceland. And this was just after the first bank collapsed. So literally that after the prime minister said, God bless Iceland, my phone just didn't stop ringing and because we had projects like based, like we had, we had been almost booked out for the rest of the year and we had some outstanding bill and everybody just started cancelling, like every single person.
1: My name is Paul Harvey and this is Life, Passion and Business. We're about helping you explore, finding your passion for life and the work that you do. But it's so much more than that. It's about finding clues to the big life questions. What does it mean to be successful? What is the meaning of life? If you're looking for more, then join me on this journey, where together we will discover through interviews, tools and tips, how to live life full of meaning, passion and purpose. my guest on the show today is a serial entrepreneur having started nine separate companies she's had an amazing journey through those different projects like all of our storytellers on this show there's much to be discovered in the rebuilding process celia thor was born in iceland after finishing high school the plan was to go to university and get a job in international development however she decided to put university on hold and take a job as an air hostess and travel the world It was 2004, she was 21 years old, living in Edinburgh when she started her first business in the telecoms field. It was very successful and she was young and naive and did not understand VAT but it all worked out. By 2006 she exited the company and returned to Iceland because it was booming. She opened a new business connecting trade services and by 2008 she was employing staff and everything was going in the right direction. There was a little bit of sadness, with a breakup, with a business partner, but she bought him out and the only way was up. And as you heard in the intro, the Prime Minister of Iceland said, God bless Iceland. The financial crash in October 2008 took her business, her savings and her home. Our conversation is a recovery story, but it's about how you recover and rebuild. Celia was in danger of repeating the errors of the past by creating a business that would again consume her. A few years on, now living in the Netherlands and with a successful business, newly divorced and single mum, she noticed her daughter was always the last one to leave daycare and that she was missing her growing up. It was that realization that changed her perspective. It changed how she does business and how she runs her life. Today, Celia Thor is a business mentor, a speaker and author who helps clients build successful, profitable businesses without sacrificing personal lives. It's about alignment of every part of their business with their zone of genius to set the stage for growth they want to achieve. Let's join the conversation with Celia Thor. So look, uh, this is Life, Passion and Business and we are all about the journey. So where did it start for you? Because I understand. Did you come from Iceland? Did you tell me?
0: Yes, I, I, I am Icelandic. So, you know, I'm born and bred in Iceland, but I have lived, you know, and now I live in the Netherlands, but I've lived, you know, in nine countries. And this entrepreneur journey of mine. So I've been at nine businesses. It actually started in the UK. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So it started in London and then I kind of moved to Scotland, Edinburgh. And there I, I properly started my first business. I was very young and naive um but yeah that was how i started it was um i got the opportunity and i jumped on it and uh, i absolutely loved it
1: so what was the plan was you born in iceland so what was the plan when you were in iceland were they, what were you were you there for long
0: well most most of my oh, you sure. know okay uh, back and alive until i became an adult yeah so the plan was i was going to take a year off after, so we have a different school system than most of Europe. So we, we kind of go to college and we end at 20. So I was gonna take a year off and then I was gonna work in international development and I was gonna to go to university. So I was taking a year off and I decided to be an air hostess and travel the world. And then I never went to university because I got an opportunity just there. Um, there was this amazing entrepreneur who just started their business. And you know we kind of got on and I joined, I kind of opened a franchise with that, you know. So so I started my first business, you know, after just, just when I was Air Horse's at the time. And the company, it was a telecommunication company. It was just after BTD regulated in the market. So this is like 2004 um yeah 2003 2004 and yeah so i got on board there lots of opportunities
1: uh, in that telecom industry at that time because yeah although, although, mobile, of- fo- although mobile phones were still were around and still so you- but there was still a lot of growth available so there was a lot of opportunity yeah. all over there
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there were mobile phones, but you know, they weren't that strong. And you know, people really had the landlines back then. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so this just like this deregulation and you know, BT, British Telecom didn't really have the monopoly anymore. So there were other players who could kind of jump on their telephone lines. Mm-hmm. And the company did that. And it became a very fast growing company. And, um, and I was kind of in charge of the sales and marketing. So I had like, you know, the franchise off it. And uh, I remember because I was so young and naive, I didn't know anything about business. I, just, I was very good, naturally, kind of salesperson, and I could really get that on. But I remember I was so naive. So first time I got a VAT bill from, from the government, I didn't even have enough, you know, I didn't save enough money because that is how much I knew about business. <laughs> <laughs> now I know what it is, of course.
1: <laughs> well, there we go. So, so, okay, so the, you went into business quite early. I mean, so what age yeah. were you when you did this?
0: I was 21. Okay. So I was very, yeah, I was just, you know, just, just in like you know, 20 years, very, yeah. very young. Yes. So, you know, I had no idea what I was getting. I just thought the idea was great and you know it was exciting. And, and you know, and then I got hurt. So I've had nine businesses today, and and I, I think I could never work for somebody else because it's just kind of in my blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so so now I, uh, you know, so I had quite a few startups after that period, uh, mainly technology startups as well. And now i uh, you know i did all the mistakes beside the vat it was like so many mistakes i did probably all of them but now what i do is i really help other entrepreneurs really build their business around their life. so it's all about this life passion and business together so, so our concepts are similar in that respect yeah uh,
1: I, what i'm interested in is the journey that you took i mean this is this is very much about you your life and your right. journey so i mean so obviously yeah. you, Something attracted you into going into business when you were in your know, twenty one. That's quite unusual for people to kind of have that attraction.
0: Yeah, uh, it was so the. I think it was just the excitement of something new, and you know, the idea of of really managed to build something from this idea state, and that's something I still love. It's like you have this vivid idea, and then you can really create that. And for me, that was something that really excited me to create something really tangible. And, you know, me being a little bit of a control freak is also kind of having a control of how things will kind of shape. Mm.
1: So that is
0: like what really pulls me in. And then I kind of saw it like I had this blank like canvas and I can really create it. So because I was so young, I didn't understand, you know, a, a lot of the things that would happen too, which is great, because I think you need a little bit of that, right?
1: Well, when you're, long, you're, when you're young, you're fearless. That's the point, isn't it? You, you, you don't... <laughs>
0: yeah. you, you can
1: be. I mean, yeah, you can be risk averse or fearless, and you can be either, but, uh, you know... Yeah. And I think it takes a little, it does take a bit of bit of kind of that hutzpah, as, as they kind of say, or to, to kind of make that move.
0: Yeah, ignorance is a bliss. I mean, you th- you need a little bit of that dear devilness to start your business, because there is going to be a lot of mistakes made. And you need to have the boldness and this vision to mm. kind of go for it with all- you know without kind of like of course planning is important but you need to kind of without overthinking it right?
1: so what happened i mean you you, you obviously created this business it did well and then what happened for you
0: yeah so yeah so i exited the company and you know i took a little bit of break and i, I spent a year in india and then i so i'm Icelandic, as you know and then i decided to go back to iceland and that was like back in 2006
1: hang on what I in india
0: yeah i was just kind of like taking the time i you know i was traveling around i um i was just finding myself i guess just enjoying it
1: Mm. yeah Yeah. yeah. so you went back to iceland and then discovered
0: yeah i went went back to iceland and i decided to start another business and (laughs) <laughs> so I was like my second one, I was still like 24, five years old yeah. and um, yeah, 24 years old. And, and I started my second business and it went so well. So that, this was the deal, like at the same time as Airbnb and all these companies came, like the platforms. So that was kind of a new thing. And at the time, you know, most of Europe and most of the world were, this was like when, when you had the real estate boom, And uh, in Iceland, like Iceland was like going up like crazy. And there was no, con- you couldn't get a contractor in the market. You couldn't get any handyman. Like it was all like, you know, everybody was like new buildings everywhere. And I saw a gap in the markets and we developed this platform where we're kind of connecting handymans and the people, but we're also kind of like, the, nobody was doing smaller projects. Everybody was doing the big housing. So we started offering that and it was a huge demand. And my company went like crazily off. And I had, you know, all of a sudden I had 15 employees and you know, I th- didn't really know what I was doing still. And then the famous Icelandic crash happened. Oh yes,
1: of course, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I remember I was just, uh, I just broke up with my, you know, we had a company, me and my ex-boyfriend at the time we just recently broke up and I had taken over the company. And I was moving to my apartment, I had, and I was in the car and then I was listening to the, in the radio. And the Prime Minister, this was October 6th, I think, 2008, and the Prime Minister said, God bless Iceland. And this was just after the first bank collapsed. And I remember I thought, okay, I'm screwed. I am really screwed. And I was, because, you know, in the following days, all, all the remaining banks of Iceland started collapsing. And you, you, people in UK remember ISAF, of course, as well. I can't uh, in- remember what
1: caused the Iceland banking crash. Can you remind me what caused it? Was it was it over over geared or something towards something? Yeah, it was audience?
0: totally. It was just like this inflation. Like they're just basically, you know, dealing with. So they were lending markets on, you know, the people who didn't really afford the houses, and you know, and it was just like inflation of like Iceland. Icelandic investors are buying like half of the UK. Um, high streets and everything it was just inflation like that we just kind of like it was a kind of paper money in circulation
1: i know it was huge because i know there was obviously huge returns because even my i mean i live in a little town in scotland a little region yeah. of scotland, and i know my local council had invested money in iceland Yeah, in yeah. so i mean it it's like there is a of people got caught on this
0: Yeah, it was like a big party. Exactly. So, you know, in Iceland, first of all, like, you know, I remember like normal saving accounts, you were getting like 15, 20% returns. Right.
1: That's what it was. It was because the returns Uh, were so high, everybody got involved. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: So with IceSafe, so it was Lundspunk in one of the banks, you know, and they did that. Um, They were offering people, particularly UK and Netherlands, you know, to invest, you know, it's like a money fund and they could have like a really high and they would guarantee it was safe and and obviously, it wasn't. So a lot of British and you know people from Netherlands are investing in that bank, but also Iceland because you know the economy was really run in Iceland at the time with a very young people. People like just graduated, they became a bank manager. We're talking about like late twenties, early thirties, you know. And we were like you know kind of Viking, like it was like a yeah. Well,
1: it's that's what it's the same thing. And you had risk averse people. Uh, yeah, in a banking environment, being a bit gung ho, a lot right? of risk averse people. you are gung ho people in the banking sector? going, yeah, we'll do this.
0: Yeah. So, what happened, what happened to? You? So,
1: I guess all your properties and investments came unravelled, did they?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So that was basically what happened. All of that, this bubble burst overnight. I mean, it started in the US, and then we were quickly afterwards. And you know, it was just because you know we, we were too. Icelandic people, we were buying banks in the UK and, you know, we were buying like so many things. And yeah, so so, so it was this, you know, the banks couldn't hold this. Um, how, did it, how
1: did it, what did it happen to you? Because I'm guessing it, yeah. it, it, it toppled your business, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, totally. So I had some money, I had bought some real estate and I had this business. And because I recently bought off, out my, uh, my ex-boyfriend out of the business, my whole world collapsed. So literally that, after the Prime Minister said, God bless Iceland my phone just didn't stop ringing. And because we had projects like based, like we had we had been, almost booked out for the rest of the year and we had some outstanding bill and everybody just started canceling, like every single person. And uh, nobody was paying the bills because everybody was holding so tight on the money. And also what happened, like what happened with me is like my retirement completely collapsed. All the stocks completely, Icelandic stocks disappeared. Um, a lot of people were asked to take mortgages in like a foreign currency basket. And I had done that too. And then the mortgages would triple. Um, so yeah, my money just disappeared. But also my company overnight because there was no demand anymore. And nobody, uh, everybody was canceling. Everybody was freaking out. And I tried to kind of sustain through it because I thought it might just be a few months. But it just lasted for a very long time. So my company collapsed completely. And so did my private... You know, because all my money collapsed as well. how did
1: you? How did you handle that personally? What did you draw on for your own resilience?
0: So I, first, I didn't really, like, it took me a little time to really realise this. It was like, yeah, this will just, you know, a few months and we get over it. And then as I realised how serious it was, right? Personally, during that time, I just really kept going and I was very, like, strong and I, I, I kind of pushed through it. But when I had been for like six months, I remember I went to Belgium at the time and I was uh, to, to get a project as an investment executive. And when the parts of Belgium are collapsing too. I kind of almost got a, like, I think I just got a mental breakdown. I like really realized like I had lost everything. I lost my houses, my whole, you know, certainly my mortgages were three times my houses. You know, my, my, my company had collapsed and I just completely collapsed. And so that what was happening it took me a very long time to kind of get over that you know and then I kind of you know seeing something I was like the top of the world and then overnight something I, I didn't suspect you know I was also young so there were signs there but I, I, I was as part of the part, party in a sense you know I hadn't really I had savings but they disappeared cool. Yeah, so so it was overnight, but but Iceland changed completely at the time, and, and I think you know this changed me totally too. And you could see suddenly people were angry, but they started uniting together, and there was like this uh, like going back to basic kind of way. Yes,
1: Iceland was the only country that actually put the bankers in prison, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, but then you know they ruled the country again, kind of thing. Yeah, but, <laughs> but but they still
1: actually did point your finger actually, actually took some responsibility. Whereas everyone went.
0: Oh, well, never
1: mind, good. Never mind, lads. Next time, eh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we totally did. I mean, there was a lot of corruption going on, you know. Uh, and, and that came to light. And, and it was shocking when you really saw it because yeah. all of us were just turning a little bit of blind eye to it. And the whole world, like, you know, what happened in Iceland happened in Ireland and a few other countries. Yeah. We just really took a hit. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. So what was next? What 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 happened next you? how do you? How did you
0: get out of this one?
1: Because you obviously lost everything. You start again, I guess. Uh,
0: yeah, so, so the next one, I kind of got involved in that startup. So I didn't start it, I, I got involved in another startup. It was like in the gaming industry. It was a beautiful, company called Clara so I came as a sales executive and I kind of helped building them up. and then um, so I was still kind of recovering from this so I still kind of you know wasn't really fully up. but I was involved in that company and it went extremely well so we got a good investment and then we sold the company to a a company called Jive in Silicon Valley and at the time I decided to move to the Netherlands and I wanted to kind of you know go and do what I originally was gonna do and study uh, international development and they had opened a course here in English so I decided to move to Netherlands and that was like 2012 so quite a few years after the crash.
1: Yeah.
0: And here I am still and never did anything with that degree. <laughs> oh. I did I did start the charity actually NGO in Uganda which I still have. Um, but yeah, so I got my degree and then I started a new company and uh, a new you morning. can't give it
1: up can you this business malarkey. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: There's something in me like I, I love the thrill and i guess that you know it's something so beautiful when you can create something you know you can really turn your passion into you know an is idea it passion, is
1: it passion that drives you on these things
0: yeah yes more more now than before i think you know before it was also passion but it was more kind of the bigger visions, you know, what was possible and kind of do in the impossible in a way like pushing the boundaries. Hmm. Now it's more passion. And now I you know now I have a child. Um so it's more like a little bit of you know this legacy I want to create and of this course. impact I want to create for my clients, but also now um is also having the lifestyle I can have with my daughter, meaning like I, I can actually build this company around my life so I can yeah. also enjoy time with her. Because before I was like, you know, it was just this big issue that I put it through.
1: Did you have to, I mean, did you get out of the problems without any major deaths? Or did you have that problem too?
0: From the, from, from the
1: crashes, did you end up with lots oh, of debt? I went
0: bankrupt. I lost everything. I went to bankrupt. I went to massive debt after mm, that. Because, yeah. you know, my mortgage has tripled. Of course, yes. But I had to declare bankruptcy. In the end, and, and a lot of Icelanders did. Yeah. What what was in Iceland before, I don't know how they do it now, but before it was like a sin. Like in Iceland, you just didn't go bankrupt. Um, it's like something we just didn't do. And when you went bankrupt, that was like a lifelong yeah. Occur. Like you would never recover. But what the government did because they just didn't know what to do, like you know, people so like it was a lot of people who lost everything. They they um offered like that you could declare yourself bankrupt. Uh, for two years, and then after two years, you kind of have a clean slate. You lost everything. That's good. That's... So a lot of people did that. And, mm. you know, I, I was trying to pay all the debt, but it just became so much because, like I say, suddenly my mortgage tripled. And, you know, because of self-employed, there was no assistance available. So it was really hard. to do Yeah, this. I mean, one of
1: our other podcast guests, he had a similar problem in Eastern Europe, um, and he was, yes. he was 5 million in debt. So uh, after yeah. that, yeah, and it's like, it was massive
0: yeah
1: and he didn't actually he had to pay it back and it took him like five years to pay it back um middle east uh, east european banks different philosophy <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but that's good that he could do families in, you know a few years that's uh, that means he really uh,
1: yeah there by. was a lot of pressure they were threatening to kill him unless he sorted it out so he actually did do something about it <laughs> Oh yeah, they so they they were kind of a mafioso bank sort of thing. It was like it was not a good story. It was not a good oh, not. Okay. I mean, he 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 got help to sort it out, and he was good, so he managed to do it. But yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh-huh. another story.
0: <laughs>
1: I think the two I think the two year bankruptcy and thing is a much better route. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was. I mean, it was not an easy decision, but yeah, for sure instead of having somebody basically pointing a gun to your head, I guess mm,
1: uh, Absolutely. So so okay, so you you moved you obviously went and did stud, studied for a while and you did your development degree and you started a new business. So what's the new business you started in 2012?
0: Yeah. So a few years later that. Yeah. So I think it was 2014, 15, I started a new one. It's called Rest- it was called Restauranto. And it was like a digital menu system. Now it's actually popular here in the Netherlands, but at the time there was nothing like that. So it was basically, yeah, just a kind of modernizing, you know, the ordering system for restaurants. Wow. And what we created was like, you know, the prices you can order through this menu system like we are seeing now. And imagine really You have a lot of
1: imaginative ideas and technologies. Is this your skill base? Or do you just have the idea and get someone to go and create it for you?
0: Yeah, because I'm not really a tech person. Like I became a tech person. But yeah most of them have been technology um yeah, companies. yeah. so so yeah we we, we had that company it went really well and then we invite labeled parts of it um but then you know i was going through my divorce and i became a single mom and then uh, i realized i was uh, yeah I was, my daughter was usually i had been, my daughter 100 percent of the time and mm. i realized she was usually the first one going to daycare Mm. and the last one being picked up mm. and i decided to exit that startup just to you know because it really hits me and then i decided to become a mentor mm. yeah
1: yeah the, when you realize that uh, children just are amazing are amazing f- focus they do they do bring thing yeah. in, into light in that respect
0: yeah and i was just losing out on her because you yes. know i was so in the startup and i mean obviously she is the most important thing but i was just I realized it hit me like, I'm losing out on her. Like she's the daycare every day for very long hours. And it's just not worth it. And I didn't want to wake up with the root awakening even later. So I, I made the- Yeah, I made the same
1: decision. I made the decision to be a stay at home father. So I could, so I could be oh. around my son yeah, for those years. So, and, and it, you know, and it did pay off and absolutely. So, um,
0: yeah. yeah, that is a bold decision too, right? This is something to really honor your child
1: yeah and but i recognized i was only going to have one so i recognized that i better make the most of it because i knew people that, <laughs> I, I knew that people that didn't
0: yeah
1: um, and the other thing i realized years later is that childhood is actually not for the child it's for, it's for me it's for you
0: yeah, the, ju- the journey
1: of childhood is for you it's to it's experience it's to experience that journey with them because you don't remember your own childhood
0: Yeah. Wow. And, That's so true. And
1: yeah. I I, I talked to my son about the things that we've done, we did when he was only has he has no memory. He said, yeah, I don't really remember it. I remember bits of it, but I don't remember it. I know it was fun, but I had no memory of what we did.
0: No, exactly, exactly. That's, that's, I, haven't, I haven't really realized that that's so true because I don't remember my childhood no
1: you remember the journey you remember the parents yeah. being around you and doing things with them and having fun and enjoying it but you don't actually remember the events the, the sequence yeah. of events and I remember, and it's like and it was a real revelation to me the fact that how important this is so yes yeah. you can trade that out to someone else and someone else gets the joy of it or you can do it yourself and and you know yeah. congratulations and well done you for taking that journey
0: no, exactly. I mean, I'm the same. I'm only, only going to have one. I only have one. And, mm. uh, yeah, exactly. And it, it was very interesting. It was a few years ago as well, like uh, kind of like tricked there as well when I had that moment. I, uh, there was this American nurse, I don't remember her name sadly now, but see, I think she wrote a book, but she did this experiment. So she was a nurse for patients, you know, lying on the deathbed. Bed. Oh yeah. you probably heard of this, right? So that interviewing them. It's like, how are you feeling about death? You know, what is kind of popping up with you? And, and what a lot of them said what you notice, most of them they had very similar regrets mm, lying there. The regrets most of them,
1: dying, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, they, they didn't not regret, you know, not making more money or you know, doing be more successful. All of them regretted not spending more time with the loved ones. And not taking more risks in life like follow their passion truly live and they, they were just focusing so often on things that didn't really matter and, and you know in the case of my daughter like that business you know that's a history now but c is something i will always matter to me
1: right mm. yeah no I no one said i wish to spend more time at the office did they
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably not <you> know? <laughs> no but probably not exactly and that is a good reminder just always kind of reverse engineer your life and making sure you focus on what matters and that is being bolder and taking risks. You That's know, what I talk
1: to clients about in coaching. though so I, I, I say, look, you've got to bear in mind, this life is yours. It's yeah. for you, not for yeah. the company you work for. No. While it is for your family to help them, it's actually for you. What is it that you want for you? And it's really yeah. interesting to get people to try and focus back on you know, themselves because it's really hard yeah. for people to do that.
0: It is. We are so stuck with the shoulds of what other people think, you know, we think other people want first. Yeah. And yeah, most people only think about themselves most of the times. So this is how it is. So you need to focus what really fuels your fire what matters to you and only then mm. you're going to benefit the people around you because you're happy and you're more loving you're more giving and you are bolder and you're braver and you know and that is you know where, where your juices are flowing you can really love the people around you so you
1: this passion journey for you what's it been where i mean obviously you're passionate about starting businesses clearly now you enjoy yeah. that process what is it about starting businesses that that light your fire
0: yeah, it's a great question. It, it is, like I said, this creation is, is kind of showing whatever you put your mind to, you can create. And business is, is a great example of that, like because it becomes so tangible. Like it starts with your mind, it, like whatever is possible in your mind can come in the outer world. And I think that is what really makes me passionate is like showing others what you can do. Like you can do that in business, but you can do it in any area of your life. And that makes me really, really passionate. It's like, you can change your life. It starts with your mind. Mm -hmm. And that is just something so incredibly powerful. Like a lot of us have gone through, you know, I went through such a hardships in my life and you know, that that sucked. And there was a lot of experience in that, but the the power is you can change that. If if you first of all, rewire your subconscious or whatever, but whatever comes to your mind, you have that power. You can also create that outer world. It's fascinating.
1: what I notice in the midlife conversations that I have with people yeah. is one of the reasons I think people get into the kind of the, uh, cause I got there. This is, this is, this is why this podcast started. Cause I got into yeah. that the midlife funk where I thought "What the, <laughs> yeah. the hell is this all for? What am I doing it for?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, the story is quite common. I mean, the, the, the stories I've mentioned this a lot, so I will not keep going to it, but my father died and it was his death that got me to recognize that I was unhappy. Yeah. Not because he died, but just I recognised that he had not been happy, and I could yeah. see the same patterns in me, and think myself, "What's this all about?" So this is how this started. Mm-hmm. On the conversations I've had, what I notice in people is the story runs out.
0: Mm-hmm
1: so you know when we when we start life we have this story that you know we're going to grow up we're going to be doing this we're going to be doing that we're going to be yeah, doing yeah. that we're doing and then you know you have the family you have the relationships you buy the house you do the car you do and then suddenly the story kind of peters out it's like yeah. we're not envisioning what we want to do next
0: no no that is so true that is i didn't really think of that but that's really really true it's like you have these goals at the, the beginning and then it kind of goes. And often when you reach it too, I don't know if you noticed this too, but often you have these kind of goals. So and when you reach it, you're like, oh, okay, next one. So so it's not, you know, the excitement is often in the journey more than the destination. Well,
1: absolutely. It's not about the destination. It's, it's always about the journey towards it. Yeah. And people forget that one. It's always about, like, I, I'm going to be happy when I get money. Why? Mm. No. Why will you be happy when you get money? Because I do <laughs> what I want to do. Okay. Why can't you do what you want to do now? i haven't got yeah. money well we, but could you yeah you know, well, oh anyway i love this i love having working with clients and having these wonderful conversations the oh totally
0: that's so lot- one of the things i do a lot with my clients is the money thing right and yes. this is here so often it's like i'll be happy when you know <laughs> have all these clients and money but i'm like no no it doesn't work like it. you don't get what you want you get what you are so you have to adopt that identity right now be happy and what happens money appears like you need to as one of my mentors
1: said years ago if you're a miserable shit now you're going to be a miserable shit when you're rich so get happy first then get your money afterwards
0: money only amplifies where you already are not you don't change with money except you
1: decide to yeah sorry i've just got cramp in my foot i've been running this morning and i just got cramp in my foot oh, it me uncomfortable i'm gonna have to edit that bit out <laughs> okay we're good i ran 9k this morning it's fine um, wow. Ah, oh, it's normal. Um, that is miles
0: or kilometres. Kilometres, but it's about six. That's miles. it's about
1: five. About five and five and a bit miles, I guess. There you go.
0: That's a lot.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is a lot if you haven't done it before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> done it
1: before no. uh, so look. We've got this, this this passion for you, obviously driven by this process. Is it, is it the working with people now? Because obviously the business happens. What Where, where is yeah. it now? Because it's, it's a coaching business now, isn't it, what you do?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like a mentorship. Mentorship okay. coaching business, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, so the passion is really seeing, like, a lot of my clients when they joined me, like, the program. Um, you know, they, they became a passenger to the business. So, so they had this vision. And then, you know, the business kind of took over. their mm. life. And what makes me so happy is like realigning them. So we can align every single part of the business to them and, you know, have them step in their zone of genius. But what really makes, you know, my Jesus flow is seeing them be able to feel the passion again and like really do what they love, but also this time to manage to focus what matters to them. So suddenly, you know, this moment of spending quality time with the children again. So that is really because, you know, I kind of learned this really hard way like, you know, my businesses took over everything, you know, and kind of making sure they're not doing those mistakes. And that makes me so happy to see them just really living the dream right now, doing mm. what they love, yeah. but doing the profitable and also be able to focus on the things that really matter in their life. Mm. And, and I, is, I, like, I
1: just want to I want to just go back to that bit because I, I just realized yeah. that, there's a, that I didn't I didn't cover that you said you realized you were taking your daughter to, to, to daycare and you realized yeah. that you were she was first in and first out yeah how long did that how long did that realization was that was that a quick realization or was that was that
0: it was like a moment. moment it has been it had to thinking back it's probably been going on like I had that feeling that I was just kind of putting the blinders on right but I just remember very directly that moment you know I remember I, I put her to daycare at seven o'clock I think it was it was six the open is Six thirty, <coughs> seven o'clock and I remember okay she's the first one here and then I was pick her up and I'm like oh she's the last one here and I was like no Celia that, and it just really hits me I was like fucking sorry relinquish but I was like no that is not worth it like this is not worth it and we recently got investors on board, and my business was really going off and I was the CEO and the co-founder and I'm like I have obligation to them for sure that this is the little human being. And we were going through a very difficult divorce at the same t- time as well. I was like, no, C needs me. You know, I have to be Oh here. Wow,
1: okay, that, um, must, that must have been tough, dealing with you. You've got, hard you've hard got the hard. emotional side of, of the divorce and you've got yeah. this.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it was, and, and you know, it, it just really was. And I made a decision. I am going to spend time with her every single day if I want to. Like, I'm going to make sure, you know, if she's sick, I can be there and I'm going to be there. And this time I'm going to build a business around my life and not the mm. other way around. So can I can spend time with her, you know, mm. so you know, I can I can really and and you know, celebrate her every single day. And, and because I'm also a single mom, I need space for myself to be able to give her space, I needed to foster that too. So mm. that was a decision. And what happened? is you know, I decided I would just mentor other people because that is something I was doing anyways, and it was something that came natural to me and very good at. But what happened very quickly my business became very profitable because I was just realigning everything that really mattered to me in one and just I would say almost magic happened. So I managed to do that and, and it was just such a painful like you know when you say something you need to hit the rock button for something to really happen that was a little bit it, it was like a little bit like I wasn't that you know like overstressed you know we were going through a very difficult divorce so financially like all the finances were tight um, like I was in a startup I was hardly paying myself a salary you know you know that kind of thing and then it was my daughter there and I was like no and that was it and then you know I made that decision and then I, I just got everything you know behind that.
1: Yeah, a lot of people find themselves in that place. And, and you know, it's, it's such a difficult place to be. And yet at the same time, you know, the universe brings it on us so that we can make that decision. And, yeah, well done for making
0: yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. It was just the universe really telling me what to do. I just didn't listen before, right? It had to, and that's been a theme in my life. The universe like, here's the thing. and like, You know, it gets so painful, I have to do it, right? But definitely.
1: So let's move on to the question. So what, how do you define success for yourself?
0: That's a really good question so for me it's um sense of spaciousness spaciousness i cannot really pronounce that like having space mm. that, that that's for me means that i have a freedom um to be who i am and do what i want and that that is success because you know I, i'm not going to a destination but i'm just living it every day
1: mm. yeah that's yeah like yeah yeah. So do you set yourself daily things? Do you, do, do, you, do you work on to-do lists these days?
0: No, I don't. Uh, no, I don't. So, so I have kind of, you know, visions and goals I have. And then I kind of like just kind of feel like where I need to work on my business, that thing. So I do have like, a you know, I reverse engineered those goals. But I, I don't really believe in to-do lists. Of course, there are certain things I need to go on my calendar, like speaking to you today. Um, but to do's no, because I think then you know what, what happens when you have a to do list. You create the to do list, and then the to do to-do list takes over you, and then you become in the hamster wheel. Well, so my I ex-
1: know, yeah, my experience of to do list it wasn't it wasn't the things that I did on the list that mattered. It was the things I didn't do that I used to beat myself up about.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that tends to happen. So, and then you feel obligated, and you're really in that stress again. And I, I just don't think it's worth it. Mm. So no, I kind of like. Uh, Run my business. I mean, I have a team. I have team now, but it's it's a bit more like, do we need to kind of expand and grow, and you know, maybe onboard more clients, and then I kind of put my focus there. So I do kind of like a temperature check on my business all the time and vision check. Hmm. Or do we need to kind of you know deepen the relationship with our clients and give them a better experience, and then we kind of figure where where that is and we put a focus there. Or is it maybe we need to do other things like streamlining and structuring? So, so it's more like these pillars to so have a business where I kind of focus on hmm. um, instead of individual to-dos. Hmm.
1: So how do you look at your contribution to the world?
0: It's a great question. Yes, so is for me to give it very short is self-funded wealth creation for, for you know legacy builders. Um, hmm. So I've been running uh, NGO now for almost eight years in Uganda where, where we have done like um, a nutrition program, but mainly I've been doing micro investments. So, so something entrepreneurship is something really dear to my heart and, and kind of helping people to step into self-funded um, extension. Like um, I don't really believe in charity because it takes away, you know, I wouldn't say dignity, but it takes away this, you um, yeah like this independence it, makes a,
1: it creates a dependence doesn't it, in some yeah, it and so yeah and all they need they just need opportunity and they, they, there's opportunity yeah. there but there's just no funding there there's no support for exactly
0: exactly so it's just creating these opportunities so we have been doing that there and then with my clients it's exactly the same is creating mm. these opportunities so they can create you know their self-funded you know lifestyles and and legacy and creating the impact they want to do because uh, a lot of us have these passions or or legacy we want to create to create that impact but we can only really do that if money also goes behind us often Mm. because you know we live in a material world and money can amplify the impact you know you can both help more clients but you can also make investments or donations or whatever that is so uh, yeah that's that's it
1: how do you contribute to yourself
0: how to, yeah, so I have like a self-care routine. Uh, <laughs> this is like a non-negotiable. I think that's not first. That's something I need needed to learn. So I do like a one and a half hour every single morning. I wake up at five. And oh, you're the five
1: o'clock yeah, club. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Five
0: o'clock club, yeah. <laughs> it happened because, you know, when I was with India, hundred percent of the time, my daughter... Um, I needed that space and you know I get really tired in the evening. So that's kind of how it happened But that is like really I know it is when I do that I'm just in a very good space and if I if I don't prioritize it I can really see I'm more prone to anxiety So what do you do?
1: Do you meditate? Do you do exercise? What do you do?
0: Yes, I do that. I I, I journal. I I talk to myself in my journal. I meditate um, and then I read and then I do exercise later because I go to the gym. So I, you know, I have my daughter home, so I don't do it that hour, one and a half hour. But these are the three things I do, and I kind of just sit, sit and check in with myself, like how are you doing, like what is working and what isn't, like what has to be decluttered, and yeah. So along with that, and then I have a, a day every week, which is like my day during, during the week. Is it called? Like inspiration or CEO day. And then I either, you know, do whatever I want to do. Sometimes that is maybe working on my business, like on it, like doing a strategy. And sometimes just me going for a run or walking on the beach or just take, or lying on the sofa and watching Netflix. Not that happens often. More books. I'm more of a book person. But, but yeah, so it's just like giving myself that time just to be me and enjoy what I want to do.
1: Yeah, and sounds it's good to up, me. That's
0: my calendar. <laughs> it's
1: my kind of thing. I do I do the mornings. I don't do it at 5 a.m., that's for sure. But, hey, hey. <laughs> ah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what time do you
1: wake up? Uh, so sometimes between seven, I, don't, I I have freedom. I wake up between seven and eight. That's why I do. Oh, okay. um, and when I get and then up,
0: the
1: then when I get up, I wake up. And the first thing I do is come in here and sit down and write. That's the first thing I do.
0: Yeah, is it like a blank writing? You just whatever flows,
1: or oh, I I journal as you do, and what I what I tend to do is I'll write. I I love that little dream state just because I wake up in the morning there's always there's an insight or something to be grasped just out of sleep and there's always something um so and it might be podcast related it might be something related from a a conversation I had yesterday so there's always something that comes out when I first get up and write and then out of that may come a question and I'll ask myself a question And then then I answer the question in whatever way. And sometimes the answers that come in the questions don't feel like they've come from me, I have to say. They feel like they've come from someone else. And you kind of go, well, okay. Probably the operator is talking to me at the moment. We'll see what they have have to say. (laughs) And I I get that vision thing. I get told to keep envisioning my future. Be clear, get clear, get clear on your future. Get clear on what you want. I get told that a lot.
0: You need to know where to go and because otherwise it's a bit like going to a taxi and you know not telling the taxi Take
1: person. me somewhere nice. are <laughs> like,
0: yes, sure. that nice place can be something you don't really find nice, right? So you need to know where to go. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It's um I noticed the magic in my life and like you know in my business as well, is when I give myself that space, these good ideas come in journaling or you know, walking on the beach and like all my best trainings, all the best, you know, content I have done or whatever, like anything that have made me money or anything that makes me impact. It doesn't come from me sitting in front of my desk at all. It comes from me giving myself space
1: to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the kind of random question. What's the one question you like people to ask you or you want people to ask of themselves and you can choose how you choose to take it?
0: Yeah, I would probably turn that around and ask them to ask themselves. It's like, what is their why? I think it's like a very basic question, but really, really important. So like you know, and usually it's like two answers. Like particular people who are maybe a business or something like that. But even in, in you know career or whatever you are, usually we have at least two minds. One is like some some sort of legacy or impact we want to create, or or, you know, to be known for in this world. Like, you know, this legacy we we leave this world with, like helping other people. The other one is like, you know, something to do with our lifestyle desires, you know, is maybe we want freedom, or maybe we want to, you know, be location independent, something that drives us as well. So I think it's really important to get really clear on that. Because then you have-
1: is 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 there a start point for that for people? How do you suggest people start that?
0: start journaling about it honestly ask the question and just whatever pops in yeah
1: i, I would say writing i would say writing as well is an is option yeah similar. yeah it, and,
0: and it's it not something part- it's not
1: something that just pops up you have to put the work in i think to get the answers yeah that question.
0: yeah so sometimes it just pops up and you ask that but sometimes it's just like just start writing and it will come and, and the only thing is you cannot be creative and edit at the same time so whenever you do that, do that with non-judgment. Like, you know, just allow yourself to be a three-year-old and write whatever comes. Don't judge it, you can always rip it or burn it afterwards, mm. but just keep writing. And then I think you'll really, really dig into what is really your why, because a lot of us are living <coughs> life with somebody else, you think somebody else wants something, but it's so important to get really into what is your real purpose or your why.
1: Have you ever done morning pages?
0: Yes, I do. This is the one of the things. like I don't. I just do it in my blank journal. But yes, I no. Do you learn. know what I mean?
1: My morning pages. It's it's the it's a Julia. No, it's it comes from the artist's way.
0: No, but I've heard about them. The morning, no? yes. So, so um, the
1: idea of morning pages is you don't stop. You don't stop the pen moving. You basically sit down. You have to. You have to keep the pen moving. You don't stop and you write. You just keep writing. Even if I don't want to know why, you just keep going. Uh, yeah. And that's, yeah, quite a, yeah. that's a good way of getting out rubbish, of gifts, getting yeah. out the trash, head trash, I call it.
0: So that's what I do in the morning. I, I do at least five, six pages.
1: Okay.
0: With,
1: wow. Right. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh,
1: and then the trick with morning pages is not to try and read them, because sometimes they're just, if, if they're that kind of pages. <laughs> I see. Them. I need to check
0: out one out. Yeah. And don't try and read it's them, because sometimes
1: it's kind of the vitriol that comes out on those pages is not nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for about a year and I and I found that it absolutely nearly cleared all my anger and aggression out from everybody I just got rid of it. Oh, I decluttered everything. Anyway, there we go.
0: Yeah, because the funny thing is like, you know, I think it's 95% of our behavior comes from subconscious and 5% because of conscious, right? So a lot of the patterns and the things we do, it makes no sense. We're like why are we be so clever or intelligent and then we, we find ourselves in very absurd situations again and again. And that is just basically like, you know, when you're like journaling on this morning pace, you're probably bringing that out. And a lot of that is something you took on as, as like a fact or stories or ink or something when you was a kid and you just didn't fact check it. So I think, you know, this kind of releases a lot of that. It is. That in your body or in your mind. You just aren't even aware of
1: It is. Oh, yeah, there's lots of it and they gone now, thankfully.
0: <laughs> because, yeah it, it took me a very it was really a painful journey for me to to start you know bringing this out
1: yeah it can be it was it was me, it was, so, yeah
0: yeah
1: it was for me too yeah i have i agree it was a it was a painful journey writing all but it got it got rid of it all and that was the good thing about it it was it was definitely an experience to get rid of and what i noticed was it, when it started repeating itself then i realized it was done i noticed what happened is i was starting to go back and do the same thing Hang on a minute i remember this i wrote this like a, a year ago and it's like, oh, this is interesting. So that's when I realized I had done the journey because I was going back over the old stuff. So look, this is the point where I get to ask you, what exactly is it you do and who do you do it for?
0: Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do is I basically help my clients to become creatively profitable doing what they love. So that kind of means just like aligning every single piece of the business with them. And build a business around their life and you know not the other way around mm-hmm. um so, so you know that's a very so i do that like a six months mentorship where we just basically do these foundational pieces alignment and then i just help them to become crazy crazy profitable and make the impact for the clients and well, for who i do that
1: mm, the who is the who is the bit that's important isn't it really
0: yeah for sure so mainly it's for coaches and course creators and service entrepreneurs. So somebody in the service space, yes. usually online. Most of my clients are online business owners. Somebody who has been in business for maybe one to five years. And, you know, the kind of where they are, but they're a little bit stuck. So maybe the reality looks a little bit there, like the feast and famine cycles with clients. Or they're just a little bit struggling. Like, you know, they hit a plateau and they really mm. want to, you know, First of all, get out of the hamster wheel. A lot of them got into that hamster wheel, you know, where we're business took over, get out of that and and just start really reaping the rewards and enjoying that. So that mm. means like I work with clients who get to the five figures, so 10k months plus, um, and a beyond and really start working so deep with their clients. And this all feels like more more effortless and you know, kind of ease because there's this alignment there. So
1: and yeah. how would they find you? And what, mm-hmm. um, how do they go about so, finding you and working with you? What's the process?
0: <laughs> so, I have a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is quite basic, but it's uh, my name, celia4.com. Uh, but I also have a Facebook group. So, it's probably easiest just to find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. A Facebook group I have is called Business Lounge Growth. And there I have all these different kind of themes and trainings, either about you know money, how to activate that you know valve expansion or about how to you know start attracting clients. We work a lot with client attraction and the foundational pieces as well. So definitely check that group because like we have every week really good trainings and if people are getting really good results, just being in that group.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so all those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. So do check it out. So we get to our last question that we ask all our guests
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's the meaning of life for you
0: <laughs> impact creating that impact for myself and others
1: that's very simple <laughs> i can't argue with that and you clearly <laughs> you are so thank you yeah. Celia it's been wonderful to have that conversation with you thank you to thank
0: Barbara. you for being here
1: and exploring this with me
0: thank you so much for hosting me and having me here i really enjoyed this conversation
1: wonderful all the best
0: Thank you, you
1: too. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Celia Thor. If you'd like to connect with Celia, you can find her at celiathor.com. She's on Facebook. She has a Facebook group. She's on Instagram, Celia Thor. And on LinkedIn, as Celia Thor. All of those links can be found at the website Life, Passion and Business. And while you're there, do check out the five questions under the resources tab. It's a workbook based on the five questions of the podcast. And in my opinion, it is the base point for creating the life you want to live. So do check that one out. And that's it from me for this week. So thank you so much for being on this journey with me. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please give us five stars on the app of your choosing and share it with a friend if you can. So that is it from me. As always, thank you so much for your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.